0: Dear Void, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. Nor do I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. I know there is no guarantee. You will lead me by the right road, for I know almost nothing of it. I will never trust you, as I remain lost and in the shadow of death. However, I will not fear, for you are me, and I embrace the void.
1: this void quite calming actually it's like this time the xanax took me your sense of self is crumbling and it's taking the void down with it
0: it's like i'm in a black void trying to reach the news story Ah!
1: this concept of morality is a very interesting human characteristic
0: what is real how do you define real if you're talking about what you can feel what you can smell you can taste and see. Warning, this
2: podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people.
0: Welcome, friends, to episode 117 of Embrace the Void, where we try to hammer our tweets into plowshares. I'm your host, Aaron. And my guest this week is one of the founders of one of my new favorite philosophy engagement platforms. I highly recommend checking out the website LetterWiki and consider getting involved in your own discussion. In the meantime, here's one we prepared earlier. My guest this week is Clyde Rathbone, co-founder of the website Letter, where folks engage in dialogue and debate via long-form letter-writing formats. Clyde, would you like to say hi to The Void?
2: Aaron, thank you very much for having me. Hello, Void.
0: <laughs> Glad to have you. I really enjoy your website. I've been using it a bunch recently. Um, and I'm happy to have somebody on from your team to talk about it a little bit. So let's start a little bit. Just give us a little bit of background on Clyde. What, um, what are your What is your background? What you How would you self-identify if you wanted people to sort of get a good, fast understanding of where you're coming from?
2: Sure. Well, I have a kind of an unusual background for a technology startup co-founder in that I left high school, grew up in South Africa, left high school and went straight into professional sport and spent 12 years Hmm. uh, as a professional athlete in the sport of rugby union, playing initially in South Africa. But then at quite a young age, I moved to Australia and played for one of the state teams here and then for the national team. And Moved from that into writing, so towards the last couple of years of my career, as an athlete I was writing a column, a weekly column for the Sydney Morning Herald, which is uh, the biggest and oldest newspaper in Australia, and then was living with my brother Dane, who's got a background as a comedian and as a computer scientist. Uh, We're kind of living in this big commune with my other two brothers and their partners, so up to eight or nine of us in the house in any given time. And Dane and I were discussing the internet and just talking about all the strange unintended consequences that had emerged since its advent. And that conversation kind of led into uh, a discussion around social media and you know, mm-hmm. how we could use this power potentially more Intelligently, then we were observing it being used, and from there we, the, the kind of the tired joke is that we combined his background as a software engineer and, and mine, uh, someone who ran into people at high speed, to um <laughs> to found a company and uh, right. Monish Parajuli is uh, one of the other co-founder. There's three of us. He joined the team about six months in, and that was back in 2015. So we've been going for a while, and uh, it's really. It's just enormously gratifying to see a letter gaining some traction recently.
0: That's cool. Um, first of all, I didn't realize that you were a professional rugby player. Uh, and I'm now realizing that this um, this conversation is probably getting me a lot more street cred with my Australian in-laws than I realized. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, and that's that's interesting how you transitioned into writing. What What about writing sort of attracted you while you were in the midst of all of that running into people at high speeds?
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I come from a family of writers. My grandmother was an author. My mother was an English mm. teacher. And mm-hmm. I, I just had a passion for reading as a child. And writing was just uh, an escape in a way from sport. You know, I, I loved my job, but I also felt it didn't really provide the sort of intellectual stimulation that I wanted. And. I kind of started out just writing for a few digital platforms, um, mm-hmm. and then started. You know, it's like all writers—you start off doing things for free, and then you mm-hmm. you slowly level up. And I, I wrote extensively on Cora. I had my own blog. I I think having an experience as a writer on these various different platforms, you know, print media, my own blog, Cora, and so on, really helped me connect with how difficult it is to. Carve out a career uh, as a writer, and to mm-hmm. identify various problems that I encountered on each of those different spaces, and I've tried to roll some of that experience into into letter. Um, you know, one of the things about a blog, for instance, is that it it is in a way shouting out into the void and hoping mm-hmm. that there are readers on the other end of that. And with something like letter, it. it you know at least one person is keenly interested in what you have to say. And having a dialogue through a written exchange is just a, a very natural, uh, organic way to explore a subject matter. And, and the analogy I've used is that it's it's kind of like the difference between being asked to give a keynote speech mm-hmm. versus sit on a panel and do a and a um,
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, as a Socratic, it's catnip for me. I love the idea of, of sort of long form back and forth with somebody um in that kind of format. And I could see how that would sort of arise. Is there do you feel like there's, if any, a kind of um ideological or a social bent to this for you? Do you feel like there's there's a um moral motivation behind the formation of a site like this?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I think yeah, we were Kids that grew up in South Africa right in the height of the apartheid era. Mm-hmm. And I have vivid memories of the first black kid being allowed at my school and mm-hmm. being acutely aware at around 10 years old, maybe a bit older, that the country was on the brink of something significant, either a civil war or like a, a transition to democracy. And um, I think that was incredibly impactful, you know, at a very impressionable age. Mm. And it it just is I think for Dane and I is highlighted the reality that not everywhere on the planet is as prosperous and privileged as Australia or the US, where these mm-hmm. concepts of like a you know, an Orwellian non, you know, nineteen eighty four hellscape are abstract. But if you've lived in places like mm. we grew up you know that they are real and they're real as um currently and, and, and uh, in our own lifetime so it's hard to draw a direct connection between our childhood mm-hmm. and i mean it's always speculative but i do feel as though if we didn't grow up in south africa and move to australia there's virtually no chance that letter would have been born you know i do feel as though it's It sounds almost cliche, but we think that the the internet is at its best when it's bringing people together and guiding them to what is true. And Mm -hmm. it's letters this interesting return to like an an old technology in letter writing, but it's plugging that into the modern technology of social networks. And it's just enormously exciting to think about how you can augment all the benefits of letter writing with – far more uh I think this hyper connected world that we now live in.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean it's really uh, trying to think about I mean like in philosophy, we talk about how, you know, any philosopher's viewpoint is probably telling you more about that philosopher than about the reality that they're talking about. And like, Mm. you know, you can often tie and like, you know, that's just the way that we as human beings are. And so it's interesting to try to, Mm. I guess, do a little bit of psychoanalysis of like, what was the experience of seeing truth and reconciliation as a mechanism rather Mm. than violence? And how did that play on your, your views? Um, So you you brought up um, how this this is an older kind of format in a sense. And I'm interested how you think the format changes the way that people engage on social media. How is a letter mm-hmm. different from a Twitter or a Facebook or something like that?
1: Yeah. I mean,
2: that's something that we talk a lot about internally is it how do we create a space that fosters thoughtful conversation and, in many ways it's it's what you don't do rather than what you do do you know on mm-hmm. something like twitter there's definitely a impulse to be performative yeah you, know, you you often mm-hmm. see conversations where people are speaking past each other to their respective tribes on letter we've tried to create a user experience that really connects you with the fact that you're having a conversation with another human being and to do that, we've really stripped things back. There's no likes, there's no comments. Um, you know, we in virtually all the letters, people are using their real photo and their real name, mm-hmm. um, and and it's it's almost like the the other spaces almost lack a theory of mind. You know, it's it's anonymity, right. it's yeah. short form, um, and it's it's optimized for sort of snark and. A criticism rather than honest exploration and you know we, when we built letter the, the idea of introducing something long form I mean it was an experiment you know we mm-hmm. we thought that you could create a space that allowed people to go deeper to have more nuanced conversations but you're never entirely sure what's going to happen until the product is in someone's hands and it's been just so exciting for us to see the conversations just Come bursting out of people. Um, so the, I think if there's a key insight that we've realised since we've created the platform, it's that the other platforms tend mm-hmm. to overvalue broadcast and monologue, and undervalue dialogue. You know, dialogue is almost treated as a afterthought. You know, the comment section is always much shorter. It's it's like these punchy exchanges, and the original poster or publisher of the content, rarely engages with the comment section. And when they do, again, it's very short form and it's often, it's kind Mm -hmm. of a sport. It's a point scoring game. On letter, I think the medium creates the space for a much more authentic conversation. And I think long form does that, but also the fact that it's in written form gives the conversation breathing room that it often doesn't have in the shorter form Mm-hmm. formats whether that's spoken word or in writing that you can receive this letter and sit on it for a day or two or a week mm-hmm. and gather your thoughts and when you do express yourself it is it's on the back of giving it the thought that it deserves rather than it being driven by some sort of emotional impulse to ret- retaliate um, I know like from my own experience it's so easy to get sucked into this, you know, it's social media combat almost. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Whereas on Letter, I just haven't felt that. I've felt very compelled to write, but it hasn't been from this I'm wounded and now I need to return fire perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I really like some of the things that you've pointed out I, that that I agree are good systemic changes, like not having the likes or the comments and the the putting the person's face up on their letter. And it sort of, it does create a different, a different, and I agree, um, sort of not as point scory kind of environment. Yeah, so I, I, but I'm curious, does this come at a cost for y'all on the business end of things? Do you get less clicks, less eyeballs, less ad revenue because you are catering towards this different kind of engagement?
2: Well, I mean, I should say that we're not chasing revenue anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um mm. And and I, I think it's important that we can explore monetization in a way that doesn't contrast the values of the platform owners and the, the stakeholders with the values of the users. You know, I think that's where the other platforms have run into trouble is, is that there's a discrepancy between what a Facebook user wants and what the shareholder wants. And they want you to spend as much possible time staring at a screen because that translates directly into advertising dollars, which drives the share price up. We're coming at this from a different perspective, and I I think it could be part of a a crest of a wave that is building, which is that
0: Hmm.
2: I think the internet is going to start moving, or at least social media rather, is going to start moving in the direction of lower volume, higher quality use. You know, I know that...
0: <laughs> the binge will just, come to an end at some point.
2: Well, I think it has to. I mean, I think the repercussions of spending you know just incredible amounts of time staring at a screen but not really having genuinely meaningful human connection or ex- profound experiences mm-hmm. is, is a kind of a tragedy because it's... I mean, just imagine explaining to someone pre internet that, you're going to have the entirety of human knowledge in your back pocket in a device, and you can communicate across any geographic divide. And we're going to spend that time squabbling about <laughs> pronouns or about, you know, cat videos or whatever it is. It's just like whatever the latest controversy is. Um, instead of using it, it's kind of using that harnessing that power and using it as effectively as possible. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think letter has the potential to be a tremendously valuable company and i think we will figure out monetization strategies that are ethical but mm-hmm. to do that i think you have to take a uh, play a longer game here and we're very fortunate that the people who funded the company and you know, we bootstrapped it early on ourselves but ever since then we've been bringing on investors that are incredibly mission aligned um, right. which has been a, a tremendously difficult thing to do but it's it's been one hundred percent the right move because it's allowed us it's allowed us to explore things without having the pressure of or when aware are the dollars and this needs to make money in six months or needs to make money and I think we can figure that out and, and our goal is to do that. We want to build a it's a for profit company and uh, it's exciting to be able to start to explore new models. Um mm-hmm. you know, something like I don't know if you or, or your listeners have heard of something like Substack. So Substack just allows mm. writers oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's relatively new but it's it's exciting because they are forging a new path for content creators and that you can connect directly with your readership and monetize your content in a way that is very closely aligned with the value that the readers are getting. So
1: mm-hmm. if you
2: have 2 or 3000 subscribers to your newsletter and each of them or some subset of them are paying a relatively small fee. You don't need a giant readership in order to start turning a decent profit. And we think that there's opportunities to do similar things with letter. So, you know, we might be able to have readers sponsor a particular writer whose work they enjoy or pay for access like premium features to certain conversations Mm. or sponsor conversations. Like if our readership really wants to see two Public intellectuals engage in a long-form written dialogue. Well, then we can raise money to make that conversation happen, and so there's there's a lot of different ways we could go here.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and I really I do value I think that kind of core ethos. I do want to throw a pin in the, um, you know I think debates like debates over pronouns are important debates that are also worth having. I understand that probably you were just trying to sort of throw out an example there, but um, it'll it'll it's something that I yeah, think, no, no. we can. We can so go ahead
2: yeah i think it's a it's a totally fair point it's not a great example but it's it's
0: what but I'm i do agree with the sort there. of larger point that like we often do get caught up in not productive debates online i think that is a a common problem um which i think is a larger point you were trying to make which i agree with um, sure. so, so, let's talk some about the good, though. Let's talk about like the letters that on the site you really enjoyed that you have sort of kind of like epitomized the the good that comes out of this particular format.
2: Well, there's, I mean, one of the relatively early exchanges that was just mind blowingly exciting for me was mm-hmm. Massimo Piliucci and David Sloan Wilson, and the reason that was just just incredible to to watch their conversation unfold. Was because it wasn't that long ago. I was just a, a fan and reader of Massimo's books. And you know, I remember traveling through the Netherlands four or five years ago and, and just coming to the end of his book. And, and now the fact that he's a writer on the platform is just, it, you know, almost mm-hmm. doesn't seem real. And, mm-hmm. you know, that really highlighted the value of the dialectic, you know, two intellectual peers having a kind of collaborative argumentation. And it's just a fascinating way to for a a layperson like me to follow a conversation. It's almost like reading a book where every chapter is a mm-hmm. different perspective on the same subject matter. And it's yeah, I, I, I that was just so exciting. But then we've seen these kind of three broad categories of conversations. There's that classic dialectic. There's didactic, where it's one of the writers assumes the role of like the student or the interviewer and the other is like a domain expert of some sort and mm-hmm. is helping to educate the the other correspondent and the readers. Um, that's also been great to see. And then there's like these classic letter exchanges that kind of look like a letter would have looked or letters would have looked 50, 100, 200 years ago. And they're just uh, wide ranging and branch off in unexpected directions. They're kind of – an exploration of each of the writers' lives, what's happening, and they they sometimes have a, a philosophical thread through them, and other times they're just highly practical. They're just exploring something like you know parenting or mm-hmm. nutrition or whatever it is, and it's all of these things are so exciting to me because we've we've been relatively non-prescriptive. You know, this is a open platform where anyone can have any conversation about anything with anyone, and I. It's so difficult to do, but you want to keep the biases of the founders out of the equation Mm -hmm. as much as possible. You want to nudge things so that you kind of get off to a good start and you help the trajectory of the platform in terms of the quality, but you really just want to see what emerges. And the most exciting thing for us in the last few months is just to see these profoundly interesting, diverse conversations pop up. And I read yours on Free Will um, Mm -hmm. recently, and I just – it captured some of my intuitions about the subject matter in a way that it's helped me frame the argument better than I had previously. And so it's, it is like getting a kind of a software update through Mm -hmm. the, through, through this reading of content that is just not easily available in this format.
0: Yeah, it is nice. I really do like the, the, the amount of ideas that you can get out in it and how it kind of encourages people to, downshift their language to be more approachable which academic material often isn't and to chunk their ideas into um digestible formats which it often isn't and so it is a really nice middle ground i think between like trying to sit down and trudge through some philosophy papers for example and like trying to understand a topic by reading a lengthy twitter thread or something
2: yeah yeah the other thing is that the content is has value deep into the future. You know, the idea Mm -hmm. that anyone is going to come across my Twitter feed and find anything interesting there a year (laughs) from now is kind of absurd. You know, it's normally not valuable five minutes after it's been written or whilst it's being written. But a lot of the conversations on letter are going to be interesting, not just from the perspective of the content that's in there, but as a exploration of the writers and their lives, you know, that that fact Mm. that, the authors, you know, multiple generations from now, the, the authors, um, f- future family members are going to be able to read these letters. It's just so exciting to me. It's, uh, I feel like the stakes have gotten a
0: lot higher for me responding to these things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you won't be around to have to worry about that, mate.
0: That's true. And I also don't have any descendants, <laughs> so it's going to be great. Like My dog can read it, I guess, for a little bit after I die. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, I, th- I do think that you're right, though, that like it has, in theory, a little bit more staying power, though. I don't know how much any of this digital stuff will survive very long. Um, mm. Let me ask you this. What about, like, voidy conversations, right? You had sort of these meaningful conversations that you really liked. Um, were there any ones that got particularly dark for you?
2: Hmm. Let me think about that. I mean, my own exchange with Iona Italia was about identity and belonging and
0: mm-hmm.
2: to bring up some of the stuff that I hadn't really thought about in years about growing up in South Africa and how violent that environment was. And, you mm-hmm. know, when, writing is a, is a kind of a uniquely valuable way to explore your own mind. And the, in the writing of those letters with Iona, I, the connection between what I'm doing now and my formative years has become far more clear. And I hadn't really thought about that. You know, you mm-hmm. it's so easy to kind of slip into this kind of automaticity of life. You just go from one thing to the next and you it, to stop and think about, well, why am I actually doing this is, is an interesting question. To we should all be asking ourselves, am I using my time as effectively as possible am i working on the problems that i think are uh, the most important to be solved and are my skill sets well matched to us and i I think Mm -hmm. delving into my past helped me connect with why i'm so passionate about this project and but it did get dark you know there's Mm -hmm. there were things that we observed growing up um just from a violence on the streets perspective you know, we had a home invasion uh, my mother was nearly killed um, wow. yeah things like that just I think it's it's left my brother and I with this sense of justice that mm-hmm. you know the world can be a cruel place and the the world around us is to some significant extent built on the quality of the conversations that are happening within it and you know letter is an attempt to vastly improve the the quality and the impact of conversation and we've started with this the simplest form the written form but mm-hmm. we we think it could branch out there's no reason why we couldn't introduce audio and video and, and all kinds of things you know the whole speech um, mm. text to speech rather technology is getting exciting and it's but I, but I do think that writing is is the first is the is the, it makes sense for us to start there, but it's mm-hmm. yeah so to to go back to your question I've been rambling now yeah there's no there's been there's been times where in the writing of the letter, I've learned things about myself that I don't think I could have learned any other way
0: I think that's really interesting i mean like really insightful and like I think it's valuable. I mean the hopefully right the the hope is when we have these um horrible experiences or existential crises of various sorts or we're we're forced into these really problematic situations you know assuming we survive them the the hope is that we do come out of that that dark time with some new sense of meaning or understanding it doesn't always work out that way and it doesn't justify or um mm. excuse what we experienced but Um, you know there is that hopefully resilience that allows someone to to find value in in situations like that so um,
2: yeah and it it can be it can be mm -hmm. years or decades later you know just because we haven't figured Mm -hmm. out a way to transform that negative experience into some key insights doesn't mean that that isn't available to us down the track
0: right yeah that makes sense so, so what are things that you'd like to see more of on Letter? Are there specific like, kinds of conversations or specific topics that you have a sort of personal hope to see show up at some point?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, the diversity of the content is, is really important to me. You know, it's so easy to be pigeonholed as, well, this is you know, the, the place for the IDW types or this is a right-wing space or a left-wing space. And it's, it's critically important for us that we are totally open to mm-hmm. any kind of conversation i think the the key things you want to underpin all the dialogue are good faith and thoughtfulness uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of you can be a bit nebulous as to what those things actually mean i mean i, I do think there's value in highlighting conversations that are had in bad faith but for mm-hmm. the most part i think that's really all that matters to me is it is it it doesn't really matter what the conversation is about; it's more the mechanics of the conversation. How how are these people engaging? Um, because that's where the interesting stuff gets produced, and it's mm. it's the conversations that are surprising that I find most excited, uh, most exciting. Like I, you can uh-huh. read or be engaged in one, and it's there's these rare moments where you feel your confidence in a position being challenged and right you know it, it can be very uncomfortable but mm-hmm. if you can stay with that long enough it's it can be very rewarding or the opposite happens and this cherished position is now concretized because it's been stress tested with someone else
0: sure right the, the conflict so, of so, truth and error sorry
2: yeah exactly and you know the the types of conversations that I'd like to see are, I mean, are wide-ranging but I am interested in seeing you know we've got some relatively esoteric you know niche academic conversations mm-hmm. happening that are too smart for me to follow along I'm glad they're happening and people are passionate about them but I'm also very interested to see some more practical, conversations emerge and I, I want let it to be a place where any person who's curious about anything can come and either have mm. or follow an interesting conversation. So I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be an exclusive space. So You don't have to be a domain expert to use it. It can be anyone from any walk of life. Um, and it's, so that's exciting to think about what, how this could broaden mm-hmm. out, um,
0: yeah, that makes sense. I think um, – and I have, I have some thoughts. I'm curious about certain kinds of conversations that you're interested in having. I'm also curious a little bit, have there been any conversations on Letter that got too heated? Did I ever have to, like, shut something down or intervene in some kind of way? Or has it so far all been 100%, you know, cordial? It's
2: – I mean, they get pointed um, at mm-hmm. times, but they've never spilled over into you know, something that we've needed to moderate um, – I'm Hmm. sure, I'm sure that there's going to be difficult conversations. Our attitude to it is that we would like to avoid uh, censorship at virtually any cost. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I think you can, you can certainly reduce the visibility of content that is either low quality or doesn't adhere to those ideals of good faith and thoughtfulness. But yeah, I'm very wary of shutting conversations down and i think Mm -hmm. the focus for us there is on is on modeling the kinds of conversations we want to see more of you know we've noticed that people take their cue from the existing content so if you go on this is why there is wildly Mm -hmm. different cultures across different platforms you know reddit has its own culture linkedin has a culture youtube uh, twitter and if you arrive in a platform and you know, within five minutes the, the content you're seeing is modeling you know, abusive sort of ad hominem attacks like something like YouTube does, well then people tend mm-hmm. to join the fray. If you come to right. Letter and you're on our featured letters page, you're seeing content that, that really does model the kinds of practices that we'd like to see more of. And I think that, that goes a long way to mitigating some of the pitfalls that uh, the other platforms have fallen into.
0: Hmm, that makes sense. Let me let me stress test your um your commitment to the censorship thing a little bit, though. I mean, are there conversations that you don't want to see had on the site, like conversations either that you don't think are worth having or couldn't be had well in that context?
2: I'm not sure. I mean, I, I it would probably require me reading the first two letters. Um, mm. I. I, I suspect there's things that are just going to be so nuclear mm-hmm. that they could be more damaging than useful. But I'm not even sure if if the fact that they exist in the platform is a is a bad thing. I, I mean, I, my kind of personal view on this is is goes back to like the imminent threat mm-hmm. of some illegal activity. You know, if mm-hmm. the letter is going to incite some obvious uh, critical harm then that's a conversation that we need to have about, well, what do we do with that particular letter? But mm-hmm. my guess is that they're going to be minusculely small, uh, if if existence at all. So it's a, it's a bridge that we're going to have to cross at some point, but so far we haven't had to address that problem. Um, mm-hmm. Let me turn the question around yeah. and ask you if there's topics that you think – would be harmful to to have under that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, this is the really interesting question. Like when I teach Mill, you know, like Mill says we should have unfettered free debate because, you know, it benefits and there's not really a giant substantial harm. And I think it's it's tricky because there could potentially be substantial harms Mm. for just the having of certain kinds of conversations like as as much as Mm. i am for you know scrapping with anybody on anything i also recognize that like i can say that because i come from a place where you know my personhood is never going to be up for any substantial debate in any real way so like Mm. if i wanted to You know, present an article or if I wanted to, like, write a letter to someone on your site that said, you know, I wanted to argue in favor of the patriarchy. Right. And I wanted to say that, like, women are inferior in several substantial ways and that it's better for them not to be in positions of authority. I mean, I'm like, I'm genuine. I'm not trying to like trap you here. I'm genuinely curious. Do you feel like that is a productive conversation that would be useful to have play out on the site or that that is something that sort of causes harm to the people who come across Mm -hmm. it and doesn't provide much, you know, light or inspiration or benefit? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I mean, I think it would be an interesting window into your mind, um, Mm -hmm. which I think would 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 be potentially valuable. One thing I should point out is that, which I think mitigates letter against some of these problems is that it's, the content is a dialogue. So it's very, or at least it's much more difficult to propagandize when you are having your positions tested in the conversation. If I write Mm -hmm. a blog, it's a standalone piece that, you know, it just has these beyond the pale ideas in it, and I can have that exist up as kind of a shopfront for my views, that I think is more damaging than a dialogue with someone who has a different perspective on the same subject matter. I, I'm inclined to say that if you were going to write the letter you've positioned there, we mm-hmm. would be happy to host it. And we would invite uh, our readership and our writing community to challenge you. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it's. I think this is has this is going to have to be a case by case analysis. I'm sure if I spent enough time on this, I could imagine a scenario where censorship would be the most ethical uh, outcome or the uh, position. But mm. my worry there is the knock on effects of doing that. As soon as you you pull that lever. You are you are shutting off the readership to ideas that it might enhance their thinking, um, even if those ideas are offensive to some people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm genuinely, you know, in the grips of the tension of this issue as it is playing out in our society in so many different formats, because I do agree with you that dialogue is a harder format in which to um, have your views, you know, sort of negatively affect people and go unchallenged. But I'm also very skeptical of the actual impact of dialogue on changing people's minds. And so Mm -hmm. I worry, and this is a concern that I have with your site um, in general, if I'm like, I'm being totally honest while I, I love the site. I engage with a little bit of trepidation because Mm -hmm. I, I worry that it's tied um, to this kind of meta conversation about conversations where people are kind of fetishizing debate as a, an end in itself sometimes or, you know, like sort of over glorifying the strength that it has and that this has picked up power, um, on the internet and, and so I guess I worry that it, that 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 is then used as a cudgel against people um, to say you know right. oh these people refuse to engage us in some kind of debate and that makes them therefore sort of wrong or morally inferior in some kind of way. I guess I'm curious. I know that you're you're coming from an Australian background, so it's a little <laughs> bit different. But like, are you would you say that you're familiar with what the phenomenon that I'm describing? And do you agree in any sense that it's a problem or something to be concerned about?
2: Yes. I mean, I agree that it's something to be an analogy that came to mind when you were speaking is kind of like Mm -hmm. being at a bar and Mm -hmm. having an altercation and someone inviting you to step outside to sort it out. The smart Mm -hmm. move in every case there is to not engage in the physical altercation, but often the person who's invited you outside has some sort of victory. um, They can wave a victory flag over you because you've declined the Mm -hmm. invitation. And, you know, I think that that kind of captures what you're saying about the the way that debate can be used. You know, I think, I think you can mitigate this to some extent by allowing people to talk to anyone that they want to. You know, ultimately, no one has to engage in a dialogue they don't want to be in, but they mm-hmm. can use the technology that we've created to have the conversation they want to have. So it's I'd have no problem with someone receiving a letter and deciding not to reply or Mm -hmm. writing a short reply, declining to continue the conversation. Um, You know, -hmm. to to me, this is, as long as you put the power into the hands of the user so that people can decide what to do with their content or whether to engage in the conversation at all, I feel as though that's the safest way forward is to let people sort it out. Themselves, now, I don't think that's a system that has zero harm. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some, but I think systems that try and remove every potential harm end up creating more of it. Um, the, the net result is, is more total harm. I, I, that's just an intuition that I have. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean know. I can what understand I mean, like
0: you know ethics is all about trade offs, and there's no perfect position and no perfect answers to these kinds of questions and i, I hmm. you know we err on one side or the other and we accept some of the costs and i I totally understand where you're coming from and why you would why you would err in that direction. I don't like err is not even the right kind of word here, right It's sort of um you know choose choose your your benefits and trade offs right essentially um yeah exactly so I'm sympathetic to that. Um, I'm curious. In your I, I would experience like to
2: or- make one more point, sorry, before you okay, go right. on, is that this experiment needs to be run. You know, the fact mm. that we don't have solid answers to some of these questions is the reason why the experiment has to be run. You know, to, to back away from it and go, well, someone else will just figure this out is that to mm-hmm. me, especially if it's left to the existing players in this space, is far more concerning than... Mm-hmm. A startup that can be nimble and can make adjustments on the fly and can deploy things quickly and can react in a way that I think is far more ethical than these these giant juggernauts that turn very slowly. Um, mm-hmm. So in a way, I feel like the the answer is we have to go forward. Knowing that we're we are entering dangerous territory is part of the reason why it has to be entered.
0: It's funny that you describe it as an experiment. I did my own experiment a while ago on Facebook where I created a group that was for unfettered debate between, like, no rules, no no holds barred kind of debate between people from genuinely opposite sides of the political spectrum, and it was it was a shit show it was an it was a nightmare fest um and it didn't go well and it went very differently than letters and it went differently than other communities that i've created besides that but um i mm-hmm. you know it's interesting to see it to, to compare how that went versus how letters went and i'm curious that like i'm curious if letters can sort of cope with as it gets bigger cope with the dangers of um, sort of more extreme views showing up and wanting to mm. sort of have a seat at the table. Um, mm. I'm curious also, just from your, your experiences, do you believe, like, there's this whole sort of culture war debate about who's willing to have conversations and who isn't. In your experience, do you feel like certain groups are consistently less willing to engage in open dialogue? Or do you really feel like you can find people from all groups in, in substantial proportions who are willing to engage?
2: Well, so far, I mean, it's it does seem as though there are sane people from virtually every tribe. And part of what we're trying to do in this early stage is be quite strategic about who we reach out to and who we bring onto the platform. And part of that involves empowering people from outside of our echo chamber. You know, all of us exist in mm-hmm. some kind of, of of an echo chamber. And what I've try to do and what our team is trying to do is identify people that we're not directly connected with, reach out to them um, because we think that they have have something interesting to say and invite them onto the platform and invite them to bring their wider communities onto the platform. So, so far, getting left-wing views, right-wing views um, hasn't been difficult Mm -hmm. What I think is going to be the challenge is not getting wise people to say interesting things. It's going to be scaling the platform whilst retaining the quality. So that that is the challenge that most concerns me going forward. It's not whether or not there's enough smart people um, from different parts of the political, ideological spectrum. I think there's plenty Mm -hmm. of them. What happens when you've got not – a few thousand writers, but a few million. And I know from my experience writing on something like Quora, where back in 2014, 2015, it was just such a rich community. It now feels as though the signal-to-noise ratio makes it an unappealing place to be. And one thing we have to do with Letter as we scale is ensure that the quality of the user experience isn't compromised with the increased volume of content. And Mm -hmm. we've got some ideas about how to do that, but uh, that's going to be a challenge. (laughs) Can you you share any of those ideas or is
0: that proprietary?
2: Well, I think a large part of it is, is equipping the user to tailor their experience. And I just to take an example from something like Facebook, if I, Click on so because I go there so rarely now. When I do go there, if I click on something, I can be almost assured that when I go back, some similar piece of content is going to be presented to me because I've mm. I've kind of re-engaged and yeah, I've noticed this this pattern. And what we want to do with Letter is say, well, you decide what topics, which voices are interesting to you. The platform doesn't decide. So. You can go and decide to follow Aaron and mm-hmm. certain um, subsections of philosophy or science or whatever. Don't recommend, it is do.
0: but short, sure, go ahead.
2: <laughs> We're gonna create a legion of anarchists.
0: <laughs>
2: but yeah, I think it's the <laughs> last
0: thing you should do is read anything that I write.
2: That's not true. But yeah, I think it's um I think that's one way to avoid this. Is you don't the algorithm at least this is our view early on, the algorithm shouldn't determine the content you see the user should determine what they see and Mm -hmm. whether or not that mitigates the problem is remains to be seen. This is, these are the kinds of problems you work very hard to one day be faced with and we're not there yet, but these are our guesses.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. And again, it comes back to like you're giving power over to the users at the cost, I assume, of like, you know, you have less control over being able to manipulate their minds and make them stay on the site for longer or something like that. Like, you know, it's easier for them to get the content they want quickly if they can subscribe to specific people and follow those things rather than having to scroll through endless feed or something like that to to get to what they're trying to see. Um, so, I mean, I certainly respect mm-hmm the attempt I I really do respect the the whole model of trying to make a better space on the internet you know even if that means that it grows more slowly and and you know those kind of things so I'm curious then what advice as we're getting closer to the end here what advice would you give to folks who want to write a letter on your site other than go to uh your how to write a letter (laughs) um I guess you're probably gonna get right on that weren't you (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, I I suppose it's it's to read first, you know, if if you're familiar with the platform and you've had a look at some of the content on there, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting from our perspective as matchmakers is that the most interesting conversations tend to occur between people that are familiar with each other on some Mm -hmm. level or are familiar with each other's work. Uh, It's not to say that strangers can't have completely fascinating conversations, but Typically, where we've noticed that the writers are better at knowing who they're likely to have a good conversation with than we are. Um, so mm-hmm. there's there's kind of two different ways to approach the matchmaking problem. One is someone sends us an overview of their thoughts, or they go to our letter in a bottle page. So letter in a bottle page on on the platform is just a page of open letters that are inviting conversationalists. Um, so that's one way to approach it. If you if you have something you're a, a conversation you want to have in public that you're passionate about, but you don't have an interlocutor, the letter on a bottle page makes a lot of sense. You can put your thoughts down there, and, and almost assuredly someone will pick it up. But mm-hmm. if there is someone from your existing network that you've been having a conversation with that you think would be valuable to move it into a written space or to a public space, then. That's awesome. And it, it makes it our job much easier because we're just bringing two people on at once and the content kind of cr- takes care of itself. And I've had these experiences mm-hmm. myself where I've a friend of mine and I have been having kind of the same conversation in a kind of strange loop where we hit the same impasse <laughs> and then we move on and we come back and we start again. And we, it's almost it's like we never actually make genuine headway. And moving the conversation to written form and giving it breathing room and, and taking our time with it really has allowed us to to progress that conversation in a way I don't think we could have uh, otherwise. So yeah. I suppose it, it comes down from a, from the writer's perspective is what are they trying to achieve with the letter? And that's that's up to them. And it's exciting for us because we don't have all the answers there. And I think if you believe in the power of conversation and if you think that the internet – needs a, a revolution in the social media space, then I would invite you to to sign up mm. and either read or, or join a conversation or start one of your own.
0: Yeah, you hear that in particular philosophy Twitter. If you've got, take all your strange loops from, from the Twitterverse and put them into long form and I think it's worthwhile. Mm. Um, so are there anything that like you would suggest don't work or like that y'all have found like people have tried and it just didn't quite fit properly that folks should shy away from if they're trying to start a letter
2: i suppose it's it's i mean this seems absurd to say to a philosopher but it's not to overthink Mm -hmm. it you know the the, your dialogue is (laughs) dialogue is um it it can be messy and you can just have a stream of consciousness uh, emerge on the page and go from there you know like I struggle with this myself you know'm I'm, I'm not a very fast writer and I I know that the content is public so there's this extra pressure to mm-hmm. produce something of quality but when I've got into more of a flow state and just written whatever's occurred to me and put that on the on the screen and sent that to someone it's always led to more interesting conversation. So I would, if there's one thing I've learned that's been surprising, it's that you can dive in to this kind of content creation in a way that you couldn't if you were writing a standalone blog piece where you have to really put yourself in the minds of the reader and you have to consider all the angles. The conversation can unfold as you go and you can be really surprised if you're willing to take the risks uh, that that involves. So that that's the thing that I've it most excites me about the kinds of conversations that could emerge in future.
0: Yeah, that sounds, I mean, I really do like the, the almost utopian kind of way in which y'all engage with this material. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. So is there anything else you want to sort of finally say before we wrap up and head to our lightning round, any last um in bits of encouragement you want to get in for your future letter writers?
2: I mean, I would just thank the existing writers and you know, we are incredibly, Proud of the content that they are producing, and you know the the success of the platform is built on on the quality of the writers and the letters that are emerging. And we couldn't be more blown away um, by what's emerging. And so I'd say to them, thank you, and to keep going. And for people who are on the fence, I would just encourage them to have that first exchange. You know, it's it's always going to be easier to write a tweet. Than to have a letter exchange, but I think that the effort correlates with the value that's produced, and uh, I, I would I would nudge people to to give it a go.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I'm clearly addicted to it, but I, I certainly encourage other people to become <laughs> addicted to it as well because I think it is one of the, one of the more useful ways that you can feed your addiction. I think Thank so. You. Great. Wonderful. All right. So let's talk lightning round. Um, I mean, I know that you are not an of the academic philosopher persuasion, but I believe that everyone is a philosopher at heart. You better believe and, it. <laughs> um, and so I, and I also like to get non-academic uh, philosopher answers to these um, to sort of highlight how ridiculous the academic philosopher answers are. So for folks who are not familiar, our lightning round here, I am going to give you a list of things. You are going to tell me whether they are real or or not real you don't have to define what the word real means here for you personally um but you don't also get to make any kinds of clarification remarks during the trial does that make sense let's go you ready i am is your readiness real (laughs) yes okay how about the external world Real. Mmm. Colors. Not real. Mm hmm. Phenomenal consciousness. Real. Uh, qualia. Real. Ah. Free will. Not real. Mmm. Cells. Not real. Genders. Real. Races. Real. Species, real. Morality, mm, that's not real. No, okay, thanks, appreciate that. Uh, rights, uh, not real. Mm. Uh, a priori knowledge, real. A posteriori knowledge. Real. Uh, Ideas. Ideas. Hmm. Real. Gods.
1: Oh, if I've said ideas are real, I guess I have to say gods are real.
0: (laughs) Now you're in trouble. Uh, Society. (laughs) Uh, Not real. Numbers. Not real. Holes. Real. Chairs.
1: <laughs> real.
0: <laughs> Noob. Uh, sandwiches.
2: <laughs> uh, fucking real. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Are sandwiches real? Was that a yes?
2: Yes, sandwiches are I
1: think are real.
0: Okay. Science. Uh not real. Mm, natural laws. Uh real. Uh, beauty. Not real. Causality. Real. And finally dharmas. Not real you survived how do you feel <laughs>
2: disturbed <laughs> it's, pay- it's a weirdly yeah, I mean, painful I-
0: experience isn't it
2: oh it's horrible i mean it's, it's um each one of them feels like a gun to the head question mm-hmm. and it's uh i'd noticed s- some of my own contradictions mm-hmm. that uh yeah just there was such an impulse to say something like to have some qualifying statement on the end to not be able to do that is painful
0: I know I know it's again I have to have a little bit of voidy torture on the show it's just the way
2: no it's excellent
0: yeah well Clyde I appreciate you coming and chatting with me do you want to let folks know one more time where they can find your work
2: Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, if people go to uh, letter.wiki, the, the website's there. It's fairly straightforward how to learn more about what the website is about and to how to start conversations or follow other ones. Um, you can subscribe to other conversations to be notified when a new letter is posted. And you can find our Twitter page, call it up, it's at letterwiki mm-hmm. is our Twitter page. And uh, we post conversations up there and, and content that's related. So, uh, yeah.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for creating this great website in which I can <laughs> endlessly blather on about philosophy in various forms.
2: Thank you, Aaron. Your blathering is always
0: welcome. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much to our patrons for making this show possible. We really couldn't do this without you. Uh, special thanks to our $20 tier patrons. Jude Law's Canadian accent in Existence makes my pussy throb. Good morning, CampQuest Give me those sweet, sweet utils and Jesse Rubinowitz and Brenda Goodman. And thank you so very much to our still soul, but going strong, $40 tier patron, Dave Maslich. I really appreciate y'all. Um, if you'd like to support the show, please leave us a five-star rating or a review on whatever podcast app you have available to you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ETVPod. And if you can, support us financially at Patreon.com slash void. And remember, you are the Void, and the Void is you.